All right, let's look in Exodus chapter 30. Let's just read the whole text again so we'll have the picture of it. I'm sure you're up to date on it, but God again is talking to Moses and we're to the altar of incense. He says in verse 1, And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon a sheet of wood, thou shalt make it. A cubic shall be the length thereof, and a cubic the breadth thereof. Four squares shall it be, and two cubics shall be the height thereof. The horns thereof shall be of the same. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof. And thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. And two gold rings shalt thou make to, make to it under the crown of it, by the two corners thereof, upon the two sides of it shalt thou make it. And they shall be for places for the staves to bear it withal. And thou shalt make the staves of sheet of wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. And Aaron shall burn there, and Aaron shall burn their their own sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, and he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at eve, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Let me just stop and comment on that, those two, before we read verse 9 and 10. Aaron, the high priest, went in and burned incense every morning. He burned incense every evening. And then the scripture says, it will perpetually burn. Somebody tell me what that's a picture of from last week's lesson. What is incense a picture of? Prayer. When was, when was prayer made by the high priest? Every morning, every evening, and perpetually. We get to the New Testament. What does that picture us? We ought to start our day every day in prayer with the Lord Jesus. I've said this probably ten times through the course of this. Every Christian that wants to please God ought to have enough wisdom to start your day every morning with prayer. If any Christian is too busy to do that, you're too busy. I'm too busy. We're going out into a world where we're going to face two things. We're going to face great opportunities to be used of God in the lives of other people. Amen. You, everybody in this room, everybody in this church, every Christian is going to face opportunities to be used of God every day. That's part of what we do as children of God. Uh, not only are we going to face great opportunities, we're going to face what? We're going to face temptations. We're going to face problems. Every Christian, we ought to start our day, in, at, at, even if it's a very limited time in the morning where you have to get up and meet a schedule. But brother, don't start your day without realizing that you and I need God. We need, we need to ask God to go before us, give us wisdom, make us sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When we have opportunity to be used of God and help somebody, let's be prepared. 
it. Lord, I pray that you'd go before me, plan my day today. Pray, God, you'd fill me with that Holy Spirit. Uh, make me sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. When you open a door, I don't want to walk past it. How many of y'all got so busy sometimes you walk past and you look back at an opportunity you had and you say, I missed it. You ever done that? I have. And then number two, we're going to face temptation. I don't care if you're saved, sanctified, and set apart. We live in a body of flesh and we're going to face temptation. You and I are going to be tempted in some way every day of our life, all day long. All day long. And we ought to say, God, pray you keep us from evil. Help us to keep a clean mind, a clean heart. Keep us from falling to that temptation. We ought to start our day. You know, I've, don't, don't take this wrong. But I live in a body of flesh just like you do. Anytime that a Christian gets up and does not start their day with God, asking for God's help, God's anointing, God's protection, you know what we're saying? We're saying, God, I don't need you today. I can handle whatever comes up without you. Y'all realize how wrong that is? How dangerous that is? And then at the close of the day, he went back and trimmed the lamps at evening. That's again offered incense. Well, y'all tell me if I'm wrong. I think, I think every Christian ought to end their day saying, God, thank you for all that you've done for me today. I'm grateful you kept me from falling. You gave me opportunity. You used me. Thank you for it. The Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We want to practice that by starting our day with God, ending it with God. And then he said it will burn perpetually. We want to walk in an attitude of prayer. Y'all agree with that? We want to walk in an attitude of prayer. You know, you don't have to be by your couch, by your bed, or by an altar, kneel down to pray to be praying. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I do this because I'm scared. I tremble. But sitting out there at that office, when Leslie answers that phone and she transfers it and said, Brother Ernest, missionary so-and-so or pastor so-and-so got a problem, needs to talk to you. Before I pick that phone up, I say, God, help me. I don't know what to tell them. Uh, help me to know what to say, what to do to help them in whatever it is that they're asking. And I have to commit that to the Lord. I'm not saying I'm spiritual, I'm carnal. That's the reason I stopped and asked God to help me. <laughs> it's just a matter of practicing the using the Holy Spirit of God. God said you can live the Christian life, but the only way you can live it is in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Didn't mean to get off on that, but that's important. Again, verse 80, when Aaron lighteth the lamps at eve, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generation. You shall offer no strange incense thereupon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereupon. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once in a year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. All right, last week we started our study on the golden altar of incense. Just quickly, number one, incense. We've already covered that. Incense all through the scriptures, pictures, prayers to God, our prayers to the Lord. We're offering our prayers up to the Lord. And we covered last week, it's a picture of eternal security. Uh, <clears throat> 
We looked at Hebrews 7.25, said, uh, He ever liveth to make an intercession for us. And we went back to the prayer in John chapter 17 where he prayed four things. He said, Father, keep them. I've kept them. None's lost. I pray they'll have joy and that you would keep them from evil. And it's saved to the uttermost. Means it's saved completely to through the end if you study the Greek word. And we won't go back and look at it again. Then we looked at the importance of the dimensions of the altar. It's the smallest piece of furniture. Uh, we made the application. I'm not sure it's a picture of it, but the scripture tells us in the New Testament, we're not heard for our much speaking. I've heard people lead prayer right here at Eastside. The pastor will call upon them, and they'll go on and on and on and on and on and on. And I'll say, boy, you must be trying to catch up. You ain't been praying all week. So uh, I get that feeling. I don't know if that's right or not. But, you know, the scripture tells us that God, what? He says, I know what you have need on before you ask. All we've got to do is take our petition to God and ask, and God knows all the details of it. Have you all heard people just pray and pray and pray and pray? I'd say, get to the point. <laughs> but um, anyway, but it's also the tallest piece of furniture in the entire tabernacle. And I believe it pictures us. We never be any closer to God than when we're kneeling somewhere in prayer. And we're in fellowship with Him. Now let's look. We'll pick it up. We're on page two on item number four. By the way, I'll have another outline for you next week. You know, you keep studying. Johnny, you've taught this class for years. I add to it every day. So <laughs> I've added some to it. I'll have one updated next week, and you can uh, replace the one you got in your notebook. I've got it all scratch pad, but I don't think y'all want this. You couldn't make heads or tails out of it. But the golden altar of incense is a picture of the mediator. And of course, you and I know that our Lord Jesus Christ is, is the mediator for you and I. Uh, it's pictured here in the materials of it. Uh, we've been over this again and again and again, and we've taken one side of it, but let's take the other side of it. It was made of wood. What's that picture? That picture is the humanity of Christ. It was covered with gold. What's that picture? The deity of Christ. In other words, we've dwelt on this several times. It's, he was the God-man. All God as if he was not man at all. All man as if he was not God at all. I've said in the class, I can't explain that. I wish I could. Because we've only got one side. We indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But we don't, we're, we're not uh, as Christ was. But he's our mediator. All God and all man. Of course, all of y'all know the scripture over in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. said there's what? One mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. This pictures our Lord Jesus Christ as a mediator. When that priest stood there before that altar and was offering incense, that, that was the mediator for that high priest once a year to go past that veil into the mercy seat where he met with God one time a year. Now we'll get to this later, but thank God that veil's been torn from top to bottom. And you and I can go in not just once a year. We can go in once a day. We can go in 20 times a day. We can go in as often as we need to. Sit down and have audience with the Holy God. And the Bible says if we come in the right way, He'll hear us. You know, let me go back and try to... Y'all got a good imagination? All of us do. Uh, I try to picture how I would have felt if I was one of the Old Testament saints 
You know, they saw through a glass darkly. They did not see clearly as you and I that Jesus Christ is the mediator. They knew they had a Messiah that had been promised. But they didn't know all, they didn't know near, even close to all the truth that we know. It's pictured, go over in Job chapter 9. This is a blessing to me. Job was saved, no question about that. You know, God said, have you considered my servant Job? Job was a saved man, knew the Lord, but he lived in a cloud, so to speak. He didn't, he didn't fully have an understanding of the Messiah and what he was like. And uh, Job asked a question. Are you all in Job chapter 1? Look in verse number 1, Job 9, verse 1. And then Job answered and said, I know it is so of a truth. He was talking about, referring back to the last three chapters, of what God was like, a holy God. He said, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? He had questions. How is this possible? He didn't thoroughly understand, even though he believed it, as little information as he had, little truth as he had, he believed that somehow man could be right with God, but he said, I don't understand it. Then he spent verses all down through the whole chapter uh, explaining about how is this possible when I'm a man and he's a holy God. Look at verse 25. We'll start there. Job said, Now my days are swifter than a post. They flee away. They see no good. They are passed away as a swift ships, as the eagle that has the eagle that hasteneth to the prey. If I say I will forget my complaint, I will leave off my heaviness and comfort myself. I am afraid of all my sorrows, and I know that thou wilt not hold me innocent. He said, What am I going to do? What am I going to do? He said, I know these things in my flesh. You won't hold me innocent if I... But now watch. He said, if, if I be wicked, why then labor I in vain? He said, well, is this worth it? If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands ever so clean, yet shall thou plunge me in the ditch and my own clothes shall abhor me. Now watch, verse 32. For he is not a man, talk about God, he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. He said, how in the world can a man like me meet with a holy God like you? He said, I don't understand it that you and I can meet together. Y'all with me? Now watch what he said. He said, neither is there any daysman between us that might lay his hand upon us both. <laughs> Y'all see the picture? If you look up the word daysman, you don't need to right now, but if you look it up, it's a yakach, and it means it does, it's a different word from mediator in the New Testament, but this is in the Hebrew, and it means one who argues a case, one who settles a dispute, and one who pleads a case. Same thing as a mediator. He's, what was Job saying? He said, I need a daysman. I need somebody that understands me and understands God. See, what are we looking at? The picture of the golden altar? All God, all man. That means Jesus Christ understands all of my needs, all of my faults, all of my weaknesses, all of everything in my flesh. But at the same time, he understands a holy God. Because he said, I've been both. I am both. See? Let me give you just a little... 
Y'all, y'all heard the song. I don't even know what the name of it is. Some of y'all, you probably know it all. The King and the Beggar walk side by side. Y'all remember that little little chorus and everything? The King and the Beggar. You know, here's a good picture of it. There was a king lived in a beautiful, beautiful estate. Had walls all around it. Had iron gates on it. Had guards on it. And he was king of kings. And he ruled. But outside, sitting in front of the gate, it was common back in those days, beggars were gathered. And beggars would stand there. And so there's a king out here, and there's a beggar outside of the gate on the outside. That pictures the God and pictures the lost sinner, like you, not lost sinner, you and I as beggars, as Job was. And they got into a dispute. The beggar would send word through the guards into the king that he needed some help. He needed this, he needed that. And the king would send the word back out through the guard back to the beggar and said no you and I can't resolve this problem and it went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and finally the king said well I'll tell you what we'll do now this is facetious but he said we just find somebody you and I can't agree I'm a king and you're a beggar we can't agree the king said I'll tell you what we'll do I'll be I'll be the right kind of person we'll find somebody as an arbitrator or a mediator that will sit down between you and I and they'll decide what's right, how to make this work. And the beggar sent word to him, well, I like that. That's a good idea. I'm a, uh, let's do that. So the king sent word back out and said, all right, I found somebody, a third party, that'll be a mediator. He's another king. He's a friend of mine over in the next country. We'll bring him in and he'll mediate between you and I. And the beggar sent word back and said, oh, no. You two kings, <laughs> you two kings be up against me as a beggar. Say, yeah, I ain't going to resolve nothing. Y'all going to rule against me. I already know that. So the beggar sent back and said, I'll tell you what i do. i got another friend of mine. He's a beggar. said, we'll get him, and he'll decide between you and I. And the king sent back and said, oh, no, you two beggars, are, you know, y'all will lynch me. That ain't going to work. Right? Y'all with me? Job said, we need to find somebody that's a king and a beggar. And our Lord Jesus Christ was a king and a beggar. He was very man of very man, very God of very God. He said, I understand your needs and your problems. I understand the holiness of God. And I'm going to mediate between you. Thank God. Thank God. We ought to be, you know, I think sometimes we fail to be as appreciative and grateful and thankful that God has given us a mediator. Without a mediator, you and I would be hopelessly lost. Amen. Do you all see the picture? Job said, I need a daysman that can do what? Put his hand upon us both. The Lord Jesus Christ put his hand upon us both on the cross of Calvary. And he brought us together and reconciled us. That's hard to believe and hard to understand that people like you and I can be reconciled with a God like our God. But it's done. And later on, we'll look at this next week. The veil was rent from top to bottom. And you and I, the iron gates went down around the estate of the king and he invited the beggars in. The more I think, the more I study, the more I realize that a holy God like you and I serve invites me to come in and sit down and just talk with him as my heavenly father. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. He was all king and all beggar at the same time. Then uh, 
he mentioned the the horns uh, that the horns that he mentioned here in verse uh, verse number three. We won't go back and read that. We've studied this once before. The horns speak of power. Luke chapter sixty eight talks about the horn of salvation. Romans chapter one verse sixteen says what of the gospel of Christ, the power of God unto salvation. So the horns picture that. It also pictures to the four corners of the earth that the that the, that what Christ did and what Christ does today still is for everybody everywhere to the four corners of the earth and he's ever present with us anytime anywhere on this matter of prayer now let's look there's a couple of things here that I want to cover I want to I'm, I'm, I'm moved through that quickly because the altar is a picture of the believer approaching the presence of God. Now, you, you've already gone through it in, in chapter 30, verse 6. It said that all golden altar was sitting right in front of the veil, and when the priest stood there, there's that golden altar. He's offering up incense to God that's right on the other side of that veil. That was the, he, he approached God through that golden altar of incense burning prayers to go in once a year into the presence of God and uh, make a, an atonement there. And you know, God said, I will meet you there. Now, we won't go into all that. But uh, I'm amazed sometime at reading the scriptures. Do go, go to Exodus chapter 25. Sometimes we approach God so uh, flippantly, I think, some. Exodus 25 and verse 22. He said unto Moses, he's finishing up about the Ark of the Covenant where the mercy seat is, and he said, and what? And there will I meet with thee. Now this is going somewhere. Read that sentence again and leave the word there out. And I will meet with thee. Grammatically, that's correct. Y'all with me? Grammatically, that's correct. But it's not what he said. God said, there will I meet with thee. You know, there's, there's certain biblical requirements for you and I as a Christian to meet with God. We can't just walk in and say, hey, I gotta, need to talk to you for a few minutes. You've got to come the right way. We get there. Do y'all realize how important that word there is? Go back just quickly to uh, Jeremiah chapter 18. Go forward to Jeremiah chapter 18. I think we see it twice in that text. Jeremiah chapter 18. Well, I can't find Jeremiah. He left. Jeremiah chapter 18. Alright. Just quickly, let's just look at verse 2. Well, at verse 1, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and I will cause thee to hear my words. What did I do? Left out a word. Okay. He said, and there will I cause you to hear my word. If he hadn't gone down to the potter's house, he wouldn't have heard none from God. And you go on down to verse, uh, 
well, verse 18 was there anyway. There's a couple of other places in Kings chapter 17, verses 4 and verse 9. He said, y'all remember the text without taking time to go there. He told Elijah to get to the uh, brook Charity, and he said, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee, feed thee there. And he said, go down to the widow woman's house, and I have commanded a widow woman, what? There to feed thee. Brother, it's important that you and I come before the throne of God there in a right way. And now I'm being careful. I don't want to confuse anybody. But you know, we just can't flippantly meet with God. We got to come the way of the cross. We got it pictured up here. When we, you can't come to God unless you come through this entire picture right here. We come to God through Christ our sacrifice. We've got to be saved, have our sins forgiven and atoned for. We've got to come with to the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer through the labor. Christ our sanctification washed the word. Y'all remember the text that if I regard iniquity in my heart, what? The Lord will not hear me. Christ our substance, we come to him with the word of God and we say, Lord, you say it. You say it. We come through the power of the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for this. And in order for the Holy Spirit to make intercession for this, we got to be right with God and be wanting the will of God for our life above our will. We come, and many times, you know, you and a Christian will pray, and we might pray amiss. But if we come with the right heart attitude and say, God, nevertheless, what? Thy will be done. That's the attitude we've got to come to God in prayer with. We can't come in there and say, God, I don't care what your will is. This is what I want. God said, no, it don't work that way. And we come in through Christ our supplication, and he's there ever living to make intercession for us. Are you all understanding what I'm saying? We, can't, we, we, got a, we got a world today and a lot of church activity going on. Everybody thinks God's their buddy. God's not our buddy. God's our friend. He's our Lord and our Savior. He's our friend, but they're not our buddy. You just can't walk in any way you want to. God made it emphatically clear in that one verse. Psalms, uh, forget the text now. Psalms, uh, somebody tell me where it's at. Psalm 66, 18. Uh, if I were David, David, King David said, if I regard iniquity, if I got something in my life that's wrong, even my attitude toward a brother in Christ, you don't need to pray. You're wasting your time. God said that. I didn't say that. God said, you're wasting your time. Uh, we've got to come with the right attitude. And of that altar, he said, it's holy unto the Lord. You know, number one, a lost person can't. A lost person out in the world, they can't walk in. The only, only thing they can go to God in is to confess their sins and ask to receive Jesus Christ as, as their Savior. But brother, listen, it's a serious thing for you and I as a Christian to go in and meet with God, or go in and try to meet with God when we've got iniquity in our life, and we say, "Well, you know, I'm enjoying my sin right now. I ain't gonna turn loose of that, but this is what I want." Uh huh. God said, "That's an abomination." Turn to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 13. Now, I'm, I'm trying to be careful. Do you all understand? The veil is rent from top to bottom, and you and I can go in and meet with God anytime, anywhere, but we've got to come in as a clean vessel with a heart right toward God, not practicing and holding on to sin in our life. 
or God won't hear us. And here in verse Isaiah chapter 1 verse 13 he said bring no more he's talking to Israel who was in rebellion he said bring no more vain oblations incense is an abomination unto me and what he was talking about is he said if you come in with prayers and want me to do things for you and yet you don't want to come with a clean heart and you don't want to come seeking my will he said that's an abomination for you to think you can come in here and ask me to do this and that and the other for you but you don't want to be right you want to hang on to your sins and enjoy it for a pleasure sins for a pleasure for a season that's regarding iniquity in our hearts and God says that's an abomination he told Israel said that's an abomination am I communicating with y'all I've got a question alright well, as an individual, from what you're saying, when I when I kneel to pray the Lord, I should start out by saying, Lord, please forgive my sins and hear my prayer. Absolutely. But habit wise, we've been all our lives we go to the Lord and pray and the last thing we say is Lord and please forgive my sins. We say it like well, somebody gave me a plan for prayer a long time ago. I don't remember who it was, and it's nothing, you know, dogmatic. But they said, take the book of Acts. Break it down. A, adoration. Start your prayer with adoration. Thank you, God, that you've invited me to come. C, confession. Get your heart right with God. T, be thankful. Express thanksgiving to God. S, supplications. Make that the last thing. We ought to start our prayer. Now, you know, I've used that for years. I forgot. Somebody gave that to me years, 40, 50 years ago. Come before the throne of God. If if I walked into the office of some high-ranking, I'm not going to walk in Obama's office. I, I hate to use that because he's so ungodly. But uh, if I walked into a president's office, I'd say, I appreciate you receiving me to come in and talk with you. Y'all with me? We can go to the Lord in prayer, adoration, confession, be sure our heart's clean. Now we live in a body of flesh, so it's a difficult thing. Because you're allowed to walk right out the door and go back to your sin nature. It's there. But at that time, we ought to be there wanting to be a clean vessel before the Lord. I, I don't want anybody to be confused. Am I communicating with everybody? We got an open invitation to come to God. But we got to come by the way of the cross. Wash through the washing of the word. Have a clean heart, or God's not going to hear us. And it and it can be a and it can be a dangerous, dangerous thing to uh, walk in like that. Let me read you a verse. Isaiah sixty six three. I'll put this on the new set of notes. Isaiah sixty six three. said for all those things hath mine hands made and all those things have been saith the Lord but to this man I will look even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word <laughs> well to come with fear and trembling in a sense 
All right, if you got any questions, let's try to clear it up. I don't want anybody to think you can't go to the Lord in prayer. You got a standing, we got a standing invitation. The veil's rent from top to bottom. We don't even have to go the way of the high priest in those days. They couldn't do it. But we ought to go into it grateful, clean heart, seeking the will of God, seeking that whatever we ask in our prayer it exalts Him. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be hard-pressed for time here. It's a picture of how you and I are to pray and worship, and we'll try to finish up here. Uh, look in Exodus chapter 30 and verse 34. Just quickly, Exodus 30, verse 34. I didn't mean to run y'all off. <laughs> Exodus chapter 30, verse 34 through 36. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto these sweet spices, and he named three things that I can't pronounce, three different sweet spices. These sweet spices with pure frankincense of each shall there be a like weight, and thou shalt make it a perfume, a confectionate after the art of the apothecary. Very, very precise. Tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small and put it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation where I will meet with thee. And it shall be unto you a most holy thing. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto the Lord, unto, unto thee holy for the Lord. God gave a absolute prescription, so to speak. For this apothecary, a pharmacist, to compound this incense that was offered on the altar of incense to go up in prayers to God. He said, make sure you don't change anything. You put this, this, and this. He said, number one, don't change anything. And number two, don't do it for your own self. It's holy unto the Lord. Now, what is that picture for you and I? in uh, this matter of prayer and to worship. I've written down here in red, and I'll just read it for time's sake. But God gives us a warning. He said, we are not to create a type of service or worship for the pleasure of man. We got so many churches today want to have a contemporary service and bring in things of the world and add through things to entertain people. You won't find anything in the Word of God about entertaining people. You won't find anything in the Word of God about entertaining people or, or that appeals to the nature of the flesh or the sensuous side of man. Have you all seen that take place? Have you heard about that taking place? Are you aware of that? That goes on in churches across this city, across this nation. I know one church, and I won't call him by name. The man was a friend of mine years ago. I can't claim him as a friend today. He's in another distant state. But he brings bands in, puts strobe lights flashing, got drums, got cymbals. And it's entertainment. It's worldly. It's ungodly. And I've told him that. He said, well, I don't think things like this ought to divide us. I said, we're already divided. <laughs> we're already divided. Y'all did all know his name. I called it. I don't want to do that. Just an example, now there's not isolated to this, but churches, this is where it seemed to start out. Churches started using worldly music. Now, I don't know that this is scriptural, but it is for me. Of course, my wife and I grew up dancing. We went through high school, we loved to dance. Go to nightclubs, 
Y'all don't tell anybody I did those things. <laughs> but we went to nightclubs and we danced and we liked it. It wasn't anything. We weren't wicked. We weren't immoral. But that was the world. And we, after we got right with the Lord on music, just for me, I've heard some music and, I, and she and I have said, that's what you and I used to dance to in a nightclub. Same beat, same rock, same rhythm. Brother, if you can dance to it, it don't belong in the church. If you can dance to it in that way, that beat, that rock, that roll. Y'all with me? Now that's just my rule of thumb. Y'all take what you want. But that's a pretty good indicator. But uh, let me go on. It says, we are not to change or add anything. God made it plain. We're not to change or add anything that appeals to the flesh flesh or to the natural part of man. You know, when we try to add something in to to appeal to the natural part of man, the natural part of man is wicked. You want me to say that again? That's evil. That's ungodly. That's his sin nature. The church ought not to be offering anything that appeals to the natural side of our nature, the ungodly side of our nature, sinful side of our nature. And you know, here's something that's so sad that some of these people, and I've talked to one or two of them, they don't see. And I, I said this and I believe this. Brother Woody, if you get them with the things of the world, you've got to keep them with the things of the world. If you don't, they'll leave. They'll go somewhere where they can get what they want. So, and, and God said, don't do it. Don't do it. Our prayers, our service, and our worship are to be spiritual and not sensuous. In the New Testament, believers in churches are to you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the power of God of salvation. And you know, on the other side of that coin that I just mentioned, if what you keep them with, what you get them with, you got to keep them with. If you get them with the gospel of Christ and the word of God, you'll keep them with the gospel of word of God. They'll come in and they'll thrill to death. They'll grow. They want to learn. They want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you get them with the world, you better prepare to have another band in next week. Now we've got a few notes on the bottom. We won't come back to it next week, but you can take that home. There's a tremendous danger to doing that. And I used Uzziah the king that went into the holy place. God struck him dead. But uh, what have we emphasized so many times in this stubborn study of the tabernacle? God said, Moses, do it after the pattern that I showed you. Brother Bill, we're supposed to remember today to follow the pattern in everything we do as a member of the body of Christ and the member of the church. Let me admonish you one more time. I challenge you to start if you're not doing it. Start your day off in the morning with God's help and God's blessing. End it during the day being thankful to God for what he's let you do and what he's protected you from and then be in perpetual attitude of prayer throughout the day. Everything that comes up, I don't care what it is, say, Lord, what would you have me to do? You know what? God will show you.